Essential NLP. Practical skills for a great life. Hi, and a very warm welcome from me, your host, Phil Parker, to this Essential Skills of NLP, podcast number 73. And today I'm going to be talking about how to get happy. I've been asked to do some articles recently about this, and I thought it'd be quite cool to give you an insight into the top tips of how we can all get more happy. Some of these we've covered in small elements uh, throughout the podcast series, but I thought it'd be really nice to bring them all together and give us all a chance to have more happiness in our lives, because hey, I like happiness, uh, most people do. Um, so let's begin. First thing uh, that seems to be the best way of getting happiness is something that's been around for thousands and thousands of years. And recently science has caught up with the fact that this is the case and has done some research and found out that being thankful is one of the most effective ways to produce a sense of happiness and contentment in your life. So how do we do thankfulness or gratitude? as it's often technically called, well, it's pretty simple. All you need to do, and, and say the science backs this up really well, is that if every day you start off by going, five things that I'm looking forward to, five things I'm looking forward to, and it has to be massive things. It could be, I'm really looking forward to breakfast, or it could be, I'm really looking forward to meeting my friend this evening, or I'm really looking forward to this part of this morning where I'm going to do this really exciting project. Five things. By doing that, it prepares you for a brilliant day, it allows you to focus on what's coming up. And even more importantly, neurologically, it starts to get those pathways wired. Because the more you practice, as I said many times throughout this podcast, the more you use your nervous system through the process of neuroplasticity, those pathways become stronger. So the thankful and the pathways that expect happiness and joy will start to become more dominant in your life, which has got to be a good thing if you want to have more happiness. Similarly, it's really well recognized in research now that if at the end of the day you spend a few minutes focusing on the five most brilliant things about today, this will have the same effect. By focusing on the five most brilliant things that have happened, you again focus up and edit on what's really good, what's great in your life, allows you to just let go of any rubbish that's happened in the day. Instead, focusing on what's really great, again, wires your brain to focus and expect good things in your life, not just today, but tomorrow as well. This is interestingly one of the best recipes and prescriptions for getting over depression. Depression is marked by a sense of hopelessness about the future and regret about the past. By doing this, setting up what am I looking forward to today and what was great about today in the evening really helps to redress the thought patterns of depression and that in turn will change the pathways and neurotransmitters and help people get out and move forwards from what's you know one of the worst things that many people can experience, that sense of flatness and pointlessness in their lives. So very, very simple exercise. And as again, I say, the research into the use of thankfulness in depression is, is pretty convincing. And that's not surprising because it is exactly the opposite of what people with depression do and think. So that's your first tool using gratitude. Now, you may notice that uh, this is very similar to uh, many prayers. Uh, it's very similar to what people often say before meals when they say a grace, they say thanks. Uh, grace comes from the Latin, uh, the, same, the same root as grateful. So this is not new. But uh, I used to have to say grace at school, which is one of the things that made me never say again uh, since I've been an adult. 
But actually, I've started to get my kids to do this before we have food. Not not necessarily say thank you, God, but just to recognize what's been great about the day so far. Because if we can start to put this into place so it becomes a standard, something that we're just automatically getting in touch with at various points in the day, consistently and regularly, that's got to be a great thing for everybody's well-being. So check that out. Being grateful, being thankful. The next point is really important, but I'm going to cover it quite briefly because we've covered it in podcast one and a number of other podcasts in between. And it's about looking at your timeline. So very briefly, just to remind you, when you think about your future, which direction is it in? When you think about your past, which direction is it in? We find that just by noticing these lines, we can start to notice some qualities of them. What color are they? Which direction do they go in? How broad are they? How long are they? And just by changing the coloration of these lines, so cycling through golds and bright yellows and blues and any color you want and changing the color of this line that we didn't even know existed until we had this conversation will make us feel different. So remember that uh, you may have uh, remembered me talking about it before, but have you been putting it into practice on a daily basis? That's the question with all these tools. And, and this is one of the great values of podcasts. You can listen to them again and again with all these tools. Knowing them is one thing doing something with them whole different thing and that's what we've got to do isn't it so it's good to be reminded we can also use timelines for one of the other key important skills of happiness which is becoming present you may remember i did a little video um email me if you want to get hold of it where we talked about timelines about past and future and asked well where do they join you know where does the past begin where does the present end and what's in between that and what of course is in between that is present which we don't spend much time doing don't spend much time connecting with our present but if we look at buddhist philosophy particularly and, and many other philosophies as well being present is seen to be the most important thing being in this moment being here being now we can use the skills of nlp to develop our sense of presence simply by imagining this space of presence which is between past and between the future timelines and expanding it imagine if that was as wide and large as your arm width what if it was as big as the room you're in right now what if it was as big as the building you're in right now each time we expand this sense of presence it brings us to a sense of nowness, a sense of presence. And that's pretty cool because what you're doing there is using NLP to get in touch with something that sages and philosophers for thousands of years have been trying to teach people to do. And this is one of the core skills of NLP is modeling how people do something, trying to strip away what makes something possible without the dogma, without the complications and just go, right, how do you do that? How do you actually do it? How do you get your brain? to be present. There's a question called the 11th question. You may know I've written a book called the 10 questions. The 11th question never made it to the book. I'm sure I've talked about it before, but just in case you missed it, the 11th question is an important question. And it's a question all about being present. And the 11th question is to ask yourself, what is the most important thing right now? What's the most important thing right now? By asking this question, it brings an immediate presence of what is significant, what is most valued in our moment. And then we can start to attend to it. 
the answer to the question will, will change from moment to moment. So sometimes when you're at work, it may be really focusing on this job. Other times it may be really relaxing, really being with my family. But it allows us to really clearly switch into what is important right here and now, and therefore to be present to that. There's two slightly different versions of present you can hear here. One is the idea of just being, just being kind of in a neutral state. What I prefer is a sense of, and again, this is a theme going through the whole podcast series, which is what state would be best to bring into this present. So actively deciding, I'm going to be this way in this moment. I'm going to be present in this style. So I'm going to be present in a loving way. I'm going to be present in a calm way. I'm going to be present here in a really focused way, really aware of things and bringing that in. So not mindless mindfulness where you're not thinking of anything, you're just on zero, just on neutral, but actually deciding I'm going to be engaging this part of my brain. And we see again this in Buddhism when they talk about compassionate mindfulness, where they can do a meditation which is on their breathing, or they could do a meditation on being compassionate to all things and all sentient living beings and including yourself. So the final point I'd like to bring in as my top tips for happiness is linked to the last thing we talked about. It's the art of ambivalence. So teenagers quite often will say stuff like whatever. <laughs> and by that they mean, I don't really care. We're going to take an element of that, an aspect of that. We're not going to take the whole, the whole package of, of not caring about anything in the world. But that quality of deciding not to give energy and importance to things that really don't deserve it. So with a teenager, often they won't give importance to being polite, to cleaning their rooms or turning the music down. We're not talking about that. We're talking about not giving importance to things that don't really work for you. It's like being an angry and annoyed with people that aren't even there anymore being frustrated about things you can't change, being stressed about things that haven't happened yet, all those kind of crappy states, and particularly about other people, because that's often where we get caught up, where we find ourselves responding to people's behaviours, which are, you know, driven by probably old stuff in their past, but we respond as though it's something about us, and mainly it isn't, mainly it's about them, and being able to detach, to unhook yourself from that, because those are the things that really distract us from being present. The easiest way to do this is to think about something that you don't really care about very much. So a good example is, you know, many people really don't care about the football results. Some people are obsessed with them and find them really fascinating. And other people just, I'm just not interested. It's not what I'm interested in. If you're one of those people, feel what it feels like to think about football results. When you think, oh, I'm just not that interested. Other people just may not be interested in what the latest fashions are on the catwalk or the tiny difference between the heel of one shoe or another. Other people may not be interested in what the new scientist has got on their front cover. But whatever it is for you, choose something that for you just doesn't interest you. There's nothing wrong with that. It's fine. We all have different interests. In fact, the world is better by having people being different. But choose something that for you, you're just not that interested in. When you think about it, notice how you think about it how it feels and particularly notice where is it when you think about the cover of the new scientist or the heels of the shoe or the football results where is this 
what coloration does it have? So looking at, in NLP terms, submodalities, what qualities does this image have? And what you'll find is, normally it'll be somewhere over there, so not in your central vision, be a bit faded, a bit vague, a bit difficult to see, a bit dully lit. These are the usual qualities of something you're not that interested in. Now take the thing that is capturing attention but isn't very useful, so maybe the argument you had with somebody a few weeks ago, or the slight they, they caused to you, and move that over to where your whatever, what your ambivalence is about. As you shift it over there, change the qualities of this image too, and notice how that allows you to have more space to be present. What I'd love you to do is, is check these things out. Very, very simple things. Adaptations of various bits of the world's cultures and philosophies, but made even easier by applying NLP. Try them on and send us an email. Let us know how you got on. Because what I'd like to do with this podcast series is to get you guys more involved. Um, and possibly what we can do is have some conversations where we uh, get some of you guys as guests and interview and find out what you've used with NLP and how we can help you to use it better. Let me know how you get on what worked, what you'd like to have a bit more help with so we can develop this and get you guys fully engaged and fully involved in getting the most fantastic life that you can have. You take care now. Bye. If you like these podcast series, then I think you'd really love finding out more about how we can work together. Best things you can do, get hold of the other podcasts on iTunes or get some of my extraordinary books, which as I say, if you like these podcasts, they're very, very similar, life-changing fascinating ways of looking at the world and the ultimate thing you could do hey come and train with me i'd love to meet you in person let us know drop us an email phil at philparker.org or go to the website philparker.org sign up for the newsletters there you'll get instant access to some of my latest audio downloads and those downloads contain the latest research techniques and tools to change your life and improve your health so just register to get those right now And I look forward to hanging out with you in person in the very near future. You take care now. Essential NLP. Practical skills for a great life.